take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. All right, hello, and welcome to our latest episode of Field Preachers. I'm Rachel Gilmore, uh, the host here, who is the Director of Recruiting, Assessment, and Training for Path One at Discipleship Ministries. And I am here with the great Paul Nixon, colleague, friend, and decade-long coach of mine. Hi, Paul. We have we have some history. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel I, like I planted a church with you in Virginia. Because <laughs> uh, you did plant a church with me in Virginia. Do you remember our first phone call where I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. And he, I, I'll never forget. You're like, well, I don't know if this will work, but we'll give it our best. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked, but, but it was, it was, I will say about that story, it was a, it was, it was a river that would bend and you just never knew what was around the next corner. It was a very, it was a very interesting 10 years. I was never bored. I was never bored with that one. Never. Good times were had by all. It was amazing. And now we're colleagues. Do you want to say a little more about your role or position um, at Path One? Well, I've been on the um, National Path One team for more than a decade. Most of that time that I was working with you, um, I've also been working um, with Path One part time, and um, right now most of my work is is in the area of church multiplication, which is helping um, healthy churches to um, create new faith communities, um, often in their neighborhood or in the next zip code, or sometimes in their own building with a different demographic. So I help churches do that. That that's the major part. But then we're all a team. We work on all sorts of things. And then the COVID virus came along, and it's like, okay, what do we need to be doing now? Exactly. And you responded as any, because you're a church planter yourself and now coach and and colleague. Um, We've started talking about the impact that coronavirus is having on new church plants, but also existing churches, right? It's like everyone is having to rethink what church is and what it does and how it reaches people. Indeed. I mean, this is a, um, a, a really unprecedented moment globally. And it hit me that all of a sudden with all the churches out of their buildings that sometime in the months ahead, they'll be going back into their buildings. Um, and when they do, they will be relaunching ministry there. Yeah. And I thought, wait a second, our new churches are doing this almost every day somewhere on the planet. New churches are launching public ministry, public worship. It may be with 18 people, but they're, but they're launching. And it's like, whoa, many of the churches that are going to be relaunching, they haven't done this in more than a century. (laughs) It's like every Sunday there, it's like same thing. And, and, and so what could we as a larger church learn from the planting community? That was the question that drove the, the relaunch project. That's amazing. And the Relaunch Project is this free resource from Path One for anyone that is thinking about, you know, when restrictions are lifted, if that comes in May, June, July, up through, we're seeing some predictions of like November 2021, which <laughs> we have to death. But, you know, who knows? That's worst case scenario, I guess. Um, and I, I feel like the church has this really great opportunity to learn during this season and really innovate and change. My biggest fear is that when restrictions are lifted and we're allowed to gather again, churches will go back to the same order of worship and drop everything 
digital. So, so what do you think about this opportunity for existing so, churches? So the, the number one message that we tried to create with relaunch is don't ever think about back to normal because even if you tried normal on the other side of this experience is not going to be there. I mean, you're looking for, um, you know, something elusive. You'll never find it. Furthermore, for the vast majority of, of churches in the West, um, normal wasn't really working very well. Normal was basically um, advanced aging, late life cycle, and for maybe half our congregations, the, the possibility that they would be closing the doors um, within the next 15 to 20 years. So I'm not sure about back to normal. Um, this is an opportunity to really look at this as re rebirth, new start. And it has to happen with community. That's the whole thing. So we're, we're looking at this um, kind of online episode, season, year, whatever it is, as the pre-launch season. And so in, in church planting terms, that means it's, it's the season of gathering. It's the season of relationship building. Um, and a lot of our churches haven't done that in a long time. Um, you, you have to build relationships and really begin to, to really understand your community context before you can really significantly bring people into a worship that's going to engage them and, and um, carry them on a gospel journey. Absolutely. Because I've seen, you know, for the, the majority of churches that have gone online, I'm so proud of them, even with limited technology, how they're making it work. And they're, oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. And sometimes the less they knew what they were doing, the more creative they have been. Exactly. And, and yet they're, they're reaching all these people. And I love what you say. It's about gathering community. So you're probably getting, if you're a pastor or a church, you know, more attraction, you're, you're contacting more people, more people are watching your worship services online than they ever did in person. But how do you gather that community, go deeper, really develop this core team, right? Your launch team that can help you figure out who it is that's being attracted to your ministry and how you're going to maintain those relationships when you're in a different setting, when you're back in the church in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, we're doing the relaunch. It's a, it's a Zoom video, sort of like this. Um, of four of us chatting about three subjects. One is about relationship building before launch, about the nature of a good launch, and about um, how you get the word out. Um, marketing, social media kind of thing. Um, the, the, because right now we don't know how long this current season goes on, the heaviest part of that um, time allocation is around the, the, the pre-launch season. Um, and re around relationship building. When we do the next episode of it, which will probably come in June, um, we'll get a little more into the next ones, especially when we can understand how is this reopening of society going to roll out. Absolutely. I love that, that um, the past one was nimble, that you kind of took the lead on this project to respond quickly when the shelter in place orders um, started coming out across the nation, but that we're keeping the door open for another uh, follow-up segment in June based on what's going on at that time. I feel like it, it changes so much from week to week in terms of. Yes, it does. And of course the first, the first sort of impetus to relaunch was a very, very simple question. What can the planting community teach the rest of the church? That was it. As we get further in, um, it's, I'm not sure where this might go, but it could be that, 
that it becomes a um, a broader conversation than just mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well, that's exciting and amazing. Um, I'm seeing church planters really take the lead on how to form, you know, community, reach out to new guests, use creative apps like House Party or Acapella to get people connected and help them get to know each other better. Um, so it really is a gift to turn to our innovators on the front lines. You know, I'm not a planter anymore. I'm a decade out. My church was chartered. Um, but they're out there doing this innovative work. and they have- I'm watching planters, I think, I mean, who have planted. Some of them are really um, sort of energized by this moment. But I would say not all of them. And it's kind of surprised me. Um, some of the people that I think are the most nimble right now, they're not, they're, they have not been planters. And um, sometimes it, it, it's a little surprising to see where does the, the sort of energy that rises to the moment, the holy adrenaline, where does that happen? I've been, I've been kind of surprised. It, it, th- th- there's some people that never saw themselves as church planters. Maybe they, they had it in them all along, or maybe just the Holy Spirit just sort of met them at this moment and um, has enabled really great adaptivity. Mm. Well, I think it's amazing. It's an amazing time for churches of all ages and stages to look at the younger members of their generation and say, okay, how can we turn to that Gen Z or those millennials to be our social media ambassadors and tell us what's working and what's not, what we should be doing and, you know, how to elevate the camera above your head so it looks better than staring down into it or, or whatever it may be, just those right. basic tips. Right. Um, it can really help with that intergenerational connection that so many churches have been trying to achieve. Yeah, and there's young folks connected to most of the old folks um, in most of the churches. And even if the young folks are not connected to the church, they're still connected in relationship. And most people during this season, if you say, could you help out the church here to help us get more savvy about how to do this, this or that? The answer is going to be yes, of course. Of course, you know, I've had, you know, young adults reaching out to me saying, hey, I'm, I'm like a lay servant. Could I help pastors set up their technology? I want to help get the word and the message out, too. So it's really created some some beautiful partnerships. And I've been amazed and so proud of, of more of the senior United Methodists out there that are embracing new forms of technology as a way of connecting. Like my, my grandma turns 93 on Monday and she said what she wants for her birthday is an Alexa because she loves playing 20 questions with Alexa and how she's been staying with us. So Alexa tells her everything, the weather and um, the latest news and she can play games. She's like, when I go back home all by myself, that'll give me a human voice. So just seeing how technology isn't something she's afraid of anymore, but something that's bringing her comfort during a season when she feels alone, you know, churches can be embracing technology in the same way to really be that voice in the homes of people who feel isolated to let them know it'll be okay. I um, attend several services now on a Sunday, um, but I attended one it was Easter last week before we recorded this, and I attended one that was just such a blast, United Methodist Church. And I took the the link of, to the tape of it afterwards off of their, I guess, Facebook page and sent it to my mom, who's not even a Facebook person. And she was able to, with a push a button, she was able to go to church on Easter. And at that point, she was just feeling so locked out. My mom's in her 80s. Um, it really is amazing. Oh. <laughs> it is. And I know some people have been, you know, calling their parents or grandparents and having the service on their computer, but have, you know, their loved one on the phone to just listen in. And yeah. it, 
it's just an amazing and incredible thing how adaptive we really are. We think we hate change and we'll never change until we have absolutely no other option. Well, one thing I have learned through this, and I, I guess we knew it, but it really has been um, underlined for me, is human beings are resilient. And we're resilient whether we're nine years old or we're 90. That's, that's just a part of being human. Now, change comes harder the older we get, but, but when push comes to shove, um, I have been amazed by the senior population in terms of their resilience and saying, okay, wh- what do we need to do here? Um, and that's, that's all, resilience is almost an equal opportunity um, <laughs> thing, but just, it's just a part of who we are. It's a part of the, the image of God, I guess, in us. And um, so, I, so that's the fun of, the, that's the fun of this is watching, um, watching creativity, watching churches that are thriving in ways now, in some cases, more than what was happening in the building, you know. Absolutely. And, and in what ways, I love this um, relaunch tool that you've created because it helps people think about, okay, when I'm back in the building, what needs to continue online? I can't just walk away from that, but what is going to be the relationship between yeah. <laughs> virtual church that goes back in the building and turns off their online connection? It's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I, I think it's it, the, there will be some that will do that. There'll be some churches that will be birthed online and that will be their primary venue. And they may have small groups that meet um, in real, real spaces. But the, um, I think for most churches, worship, especially the ministry, the ministry of worship is now a two track thing. It's a both end. It is the gathering in a physical room or two or three or four. And it is the online sort of parallel to that. And I, and I think we will discover that that's the online is not simply a broadcast of what happened in a room because Mm -hmm. the best um, worship services that I'm experiencing online where I really am am being drawn to, to, to put my phone down and to just, and to forget about what's going on in the kitchen and just to connect. They are especially curated for the medium and they, they include recordings of elements that are woven together with a person that or a team that is um, walking with me on a journey that's designed for me sitting in a living room with crazy stuff going on in the kitchen that could distract me. And so what the online ministry looks like and the, and the, the worship ministry in the building, I think they can track. We can be talking about the same themes and so forth, but, but it's going to be a... Um, um, a, sort of a, a two-track ministry for vital churches. And that's here for the rest of our lives. And there are high-tech and low-tech ways to try to develop that connection. You know, um, Christian Kuhn at Urban Village was telling me last week that when he's preaching, he'll pause and say, why don't you guys comment in, you know, the, the chat bar beside about the last famous person you met? You know, he's talking about that feeling you get when you're in the presence of someone who's greater than you. And, and everyone was filling up the news feed and chatting. And he's like, wow, you know, I had to kind of pause for a minute, but they were being the church. They were reaching out to one another. And I know another church plant has used uh, menti.com, which is a quick, easy way to do a survey and a poll of people. And then it brings it up in a pie graph. So they said, you know, who do you feel like on Easter morning? Are you more like Mary Magdalene or the disciples or yeah, yeah. You know, who are you? And then you saw everything pop up and you're like, wow, look, there's people like me or I'm the only one who feels like 
<laughs> I, you know, I think interactivity is priceless. I mean, it, it, and, and whatever we can do in simple ways to create that. Also, I, there have been some churches that have created um, sort of collages where they've enabled different people to record an answer or to sing a song or to do something that's just a few seconds long around a theme, and then they put it all together so people can sort of see the diversity of the church gathered. There's different ways that we can sort of begin to celebrate community. Absolutely. And get people's faces up there so they feel like they're seeing everyone they love. And that's the beauty of Zoom. I think we got into this discussion a little bit as a staff earlier this week that, you know, live streaming on Facebook or YouTube or whatever is is really ideal for Sunday mornings. But Zoom rooms are such a gift when you want those small groups or, you know, that that human interaction, even if it's 100 little videos on the screen, everybody joining in together, it it can bring laughter and just remind you you're not alone. So I, I went to a Zoom worship in York, England at 530 last Sunday morning. <laughs> and uh, it was a Zoom. It was an, a, it was an actual Zoom um, worship with, with conversation around the, the Easter narratives. And so there were all these boxes, okay? And in each, there's 70 boxes. And in some of the boxes, there's three people, two or one. Okay. And, and I'm going through, I became just interested in the boxes. I would go from one to the next, just, you know, in one, it's like, um, dad is on the couch just right here. There's a kid doing a video game and mom is like back over here doing something way back in the corner, like on another computer. And it's like that. And then there's another one where the whole family's lined up like family photo, you know, they're all right here. It's just, it was fascinating, but, but I was able to, how, I mean, you can see faces on Sunday morning, but to be able to see all of those people in their living room, yeah. I had, I felt like just in a split second, I got a snapshot of kind of who that church is in ways that I had done an onsite visit there earlier this year before all this hit. And um, I didn't get it in quite the same way that I did just watching that, um, that zoom video. That's amazing. And it's a way to reconnect with people that may have had to, move, you know, America is this nomadic place. People have to leave for jobs. Or I was talking to the pastor. Now he's not a planter, but I do feel he has a planter spirit. It's a church I attend here in Nashville at McKendree. And um, the pastor was telling me what a gift it was to do their Good Friday service and other services on Zoom because they had a woman who had to move away and live with family members due to health difficulties. But she has been on every Zoom call and she's like, I'm back. I'm back with my church family. And it's given her such joy and hope during this time that that alone is impetus to continue some type of online or Zoom gathering, uh, even when we don't have to, to reach those people that are still really disconnected from the church and miss their church family that they were a part of for years and years. You know, several years ago, I was driving on a Sunday morning south of D.C., going to see Matt Meisenhelter, one of your colleagues who was planting in Virginia at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was working with him and doing an onsite. But anyway, I'm driving and I'm listening to NPR. And it's the 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 show on religion that Paul Rauschenbusch hosts, and he was interviewing Diana Butler Bass. And he his last question to Diana was, Diana, where's the church going to be in 50 years? And her spot answer, I don't know if she'd seen the questions in advance, but I mean, she didn't hesitate, was simply this, on the internet. And I, and I remember that moment I said, she nailed that one. And that is such a threatening idea, especially five years ago, before we ever got into this business where we are right now, to think, what does it mean to take community truly into a um, 
a digital engagement. And I, and I still have colleagues that are just pressing so hard against this digital thing. Um, I mean, the sacramental questions, I mean, that you can have a, a very valid you know, debate on that. But, it's, but it goes even deeper than that, that it's this real community. And um, the fact is, it's a part of real community. All of us in our lives, we, we, we have our community, our sense of community is increasingly both in person and digital. This COVID thing, the church would have never figured that out. We would have been so far behind the curve. We would have been the last, the last institution to adapt. This has forced us to get on our game. Yeah. And that may be the greatest gift of this is that when it's done, um, the church has been pushed back into the lead in terms of how to do community, both, you know, in the flesh and digitally. Amen. That's a good word, Paul. It is true. And it is a gift in realizing that we can connect and create meaningful relationships online something we never would have leaned into, but now we have no choice and I see beautiful things coming from it. So um, we serve an adaptable, resilient God as well. Amen. Oh, well, thank you so much for your ministry. I mean, personally, I am still in ministry and planted a church uh, due to your work and support and prayers and guidance um, in addition to some other things, right? But um, I just love serving as a colleague with you and I'm excited about this launch. Um, tool and gift that we're offering to not just Methodist churches, but really anyone who wants to rethink what it means to launch worship in their sacred space again after all this is over. Well, Rachel, when you decided to come on board the Path One team in the middle of sort of the denominational um, crisis that we were in, um, I knew that truly you are um, an adventurer at heart, and you had no idea we were getting into all this. So um, um, you are an adventurer with, with the risen Christ, and it's fun to serve with you as well. Well, thank you. Thanks for your time today. Um, and thanks to all of you who listened, joined in on this latest episode of Field Preachers. If you have questions for Paul um, or someone that you think I should be talking to right now, feel free to email me at rgilmore at umcdiscipleship.org. I'll do what I can to help. And uh, go to our website, the Path One website at umcdiscipleship.org to try to get access to the video and the study guide that go along with this relaunch program that Paul and others have put together. Thank you, Paul. You bet. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.